Jeff. This is Preview with a Prior. The show where we speculate about the upcoming episode of Better Call Saul. Often incorrectly. All right. So this is actually take two of this episode, which is funny because um, we had a really good conversation the other night and it just happens to that it didn't uh, turn out as uh, well as we expected. Plus, I botched the recording. So here we are. Take two of Preview with a Prior. So before we get started... Uh, I want to let everybody know, please download the TV Showtime app. Uh, we kind of are in a partnership with them. Now they're uploading our podcast as well to 147,000 other Better Call Saul fans. Uh, TV Showtime is an awesome app where you're able to track your episodes, uh, talk to other fans for literally thousands of TV shows. You can track your progress. You can rate actors. You can give reactions. It's awesome. We'll have more about it on um, It's All Good Man for episode three or four, but please make sure to download it. So before we get started with our previews, I'm going to read some uh, of our, uh, I guess, correspondence from listeners. That's a good way to put it. Sounds good. Thank you. You like that? You like that? All right. So our good friend, Mall of America says, uh, for those of you keeping track at home, signs Mike has ignored so far is uh, don't, dead end, yield, and alto. Now, I don't know if that means anything or if it's going to lead into anything, but I think it's interesting that they keep making a point to show that Mike's ignoring signs. And if that does happen to fit into their bigger plan and one of the Easter eggs that they always pan out, we have it on record that our listener mall of America noticed it first. Yeah. Uh, The only thing I can say is that they all say to stop what you're doing. They're all concessions. Ah. True. And he's going to concede his rule about killing people at some point. It's a stretch, but synonym uh. game on point. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a thesaurus the other day. Not only was it terrible, it was terrible. Repugnant. <laughs> no, it's a joke. It's, it was a bad thesaurus. It wasn't right. It was. All right. Listener Kevin yep. Ryan says, uh, in my mind, Mike killed like five random people when he shot those bullets in the air. Well, I like to think so. Yeah, bullets got to come back to Earth at some point. <laughs> but do they do yeah. they come down well, hard enough to kill somebody? At the exit, whatever your terminal velocity is. Good point. Well, the bullet's in, terminal in theory, velocity up in the air won't necessarily be that terrible. Um, just because well, it doesn't weigh that much. Jeff, you would know this. In a vacuum, it would return at the same velocity of which it left, right? In a vacuum? Yeah. Yes, it should. Um as long as there was gravity pulling back down on it, and then it would slow down as it went up, and then it should accelerate at the same speed it was coming back. But because there is air resistance, it's going to hit terminal velocity, so it's not going to come back down at the same muzzle speed. It's going to eventually just kind of peter out, and since it, a bullet weighs nothing, assuming he's not shooting uh, uranium-depleted bullets, uh, it probably <laughs> wouldn't be much to kill somebody. But it's Mike, so you don't know what he has in his arsenal. That's true. Like I said, he is very much like Batman. He's ba- he, he shoots the bullet up and then hits the, uh, you know, the retrieve button so it comes <laughs> down faster. So it returns? Yes. Nice. Uh, Twitter follower Joe Blow says it seems to imply, the episode seems to imply uh, that Gus 
is uh, also using Hector's route. So he asked, does Gus take over that route in the future? It would seem in line because because of the difference in trucks. Right. Remember in, in the opening, which we've established is like in Breaking Bad Time, uh-huh. it's Hermano's truck. Maybe even after Breaking Bad Time, yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite comment, I think, so far this whole season is putting that together. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. We have smart listeners. Very astute. Very astute listeners we do, yeah. Uh, Brant, the infamous Brant, uh, says Mike could have given the bag to a carrier pigeon and shot it out of midair. That would have saved him the trouble of tossing the sneakers over the power line. That's a bad idea, Brent. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, carrier pigeons are also extinct, so that'd probably be just more difficult than anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> Take that, Brant! I thought that carrier pigeons were just regular pigeons that carried things, so you can just find one, like, in Chicago. <laughs> they ride bicycles? That, that's right. Haphazardly <laughs> through the city? <laughs> Annoy me, and I almost hit them, yes. <laughs> um, one, thing I, one thing I didn't see, because uh, I listened... <laughs> that, would a, that would be a courier pigeon. Bro! <laughs> <laughs> one thing I didn't see addressed in the official podcast, or really anywhere else, is I was really interested in how many times it took Jonathan Banks to throw the throw the shoes over the wire in real life because mm-hmm. they showed what four or five attempts. I think it was only three, but <laughs> I'm impressed. I though. thought it was three, uh, but maybe that's also part of the physical comedy piece that Bob was talking about. Yeah, yeah, because absolutely kind of awkward and hilarious to throw shoes on a power line in general. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it when I was twelve. Can't do it when I'm thirty. <laughs> Listener Rodney Cohen says the revenge guy meant he had Montezuma's revenge. He wasn't there for revenge, which I, you know, it's probably just him making a joke about the gringo in the Mexican doctor's office. Right. Which leads to, we had this conversation on the episode that we lost. So he was there for anti-diarrheal medication. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was enough to get him busted at customs. So what the Possibly. hell kind of medicine, medicine could that be? Jeff. Um, if it was an opiate, uh, which lopiramide, which is the same as Imodium, uh, that's a very low, 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 low strength opiate. So if a dog could pick that up, uh, then it, it could be possible that he got Imodium from the vet. Mm. But uh, any opiate Doctor, you take, whether it's Vicodin or Oxycodone or anything like that, that'll bind you up. That'll that'll definitely probably stop diarrhea. It could stop diarrhea if you take it all long enough. Okay. I like it. From the TV Showtime app. Uh, listener back down 07 sent us a picture of uh, when Jimmy and Kim are holding hands outside of the, the illuminated glass brick wall. Mm-hmm. You turn it upside down, it's a W. But as they're standing there, their silhouette forms an M. So a nice, uh, I, I don't know. I, I That was probably intentional, but it's obviously in reference to Wexler mm-hmm. McGill. And it has Wexler and McGill sure. holding hands. Aww. Thus showing affection. And their doomed relationship. Their bond. <laughs> They're forever bond in law and life. And I think I mentioned this before on the episode we lost that uh, I came across a video. Vince Gill- AMC produced it. Vince Gilligan was a part of it. There are a lot of camera angles and even color schemes that are throwbacks and callbacks to Breaking Bad. So if you guys want to look that down, we'll try and post a link to it. YouTube listener DeBebler, which it's nice to have a YouTube comment. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Says, uh, he corrected us because I think you and I just in our stream of conscience and trying to get the episode out and 
working through it on the fly, we uh, erroneously stated that the doctor had actually taken care of Walter White. Right. Uh, DeBebler corrects this. He says, or she says, uh, the doctor treated Mike, not Walt, in Breaking Bad. Mike got shot during their getaway from poisoning all the Salamancas, and Jesse shot the guy. Once Mike recovered, he was out feeding the chickens and all that other stuff. So if so, he did he did um, take care of somebody from Breaking Bad. It just was not Walt. So thank you for correcting us, DeBebler. I will say this for future YouTube comments. Usually when YouTube comments devolve, someone says to go kill yourself. We're not going to do that. So save your breath. <laughs> Oil alert. I'm still here, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, also, from iTunes reviews, we got our first McDonald's review, or more Dave got his first McDonald's review. A uh, quick background story from the episode that we lost last week. Um, basically, we got a, a harsh critique on iTunes, and they said we should not quit our day job at McDonald's. It's been established that that's bullshit because Dave and I work the night shift. And so we asked folks out there, <laughs> instead of giving reviews for the podcast, to give us basically work reviews because our our one month, our one year anniversary is coming up soon. So we're going to have to sit with the boss and we're going to have to, you know, explain why we deserve another 10 cents an hour. Yeah, performance reviews. Exactly. Are, yeah, yeah, performance and they reviews. Love, they love actual customer comments. Right. And it's good to know that I'm going to be able to pass this on to HR on Dave's behalf. <laughs> uh, Diddy, spelt D1DDY44, says, Dave is such a great worker at Mickey D's. Once, I ordered chicken lao mein, and he drove over to Chef Quow's to get it. That, And he threw in an extra spring roll. What a mensch. <laughs> Very Clever. nice. That, like that's it. customer service right there. That's customer service. That's right. That's some concierge work. And I'll add for the third time, this might finally get aired. If we were happen to not work at McDonald's, but at Nick Bravo's Burger Engineer, that might be a thing to do with this show. Nick Bravo's Burger Engineer. Anybody that can answer why I would say that, we'll get you something. Yeah, and um, I know why that is, and it's super cool, and it's going to be interesting to see if anybody could track that down. Yeah, that's a deep cut. That is a deep cut. Awesome. So, thank you so much for participating on Twitter, YouTube, uh, TV Showtime, Facebook, iTunes, all the places that were posted, all the places where you can hear uh, us here in the uh, Nothing Important family of podcasts. <laughs> 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 uh, we totally appreciate that. Please keep that coming. Make sure to turn into preview with a prior next week, because uh, there's a few folks out there who are going to be able to win uh, a pretty cool book. Yeah. Yeah. Written by a fellow fan of the show and apparently uh, a buddy of a lot of the people on better call Saul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, we'll have more information on that on next week's preview with a prior. And with that, nice. let's get our predictions started. So the next episode up is episode 304, titled, titled Sabrecito. Titled what? Sabrecito. What does that mm. mean, Brian? No fucking clue. <laughs> you didn't look that up? No. You know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I could look it up, but I, I suspect it's, uh, it's like a name of something within the episode. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's like a, just a very... Uh, Spanish-centric name. I did notice 
at 302 and 303, say somebody says the name of the episode in the last scene. Hmm. No, one was called Witness, right? No, two was Witness. Two was Witness. They say that in the last scene. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. Three is sunk costs. Kim says that in the last scene. It's all right before the credits. They say the name of the episode. Mabel. That was the first scene. The title of the episode was Mabel. And that was in the first scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that goes that theory. Okay. But I'll just roll with this and say that we'll find out what that title means in the last scene of the episode. All right. All right, so this week is episode 304, titled Sobercito. No idea what that means, but Dave theorizes that they'll probably say it in the first scene. Or last scene. Say again? The last scene. The last scene. Now, why are you going with the last scene? Because definitely in 302 mm-hmm. and 303, a character speaks the name of the episode in the last scene right before the credits. And you know what? That actually did happen. In no, it didn't happen in one because one was titled Mabel, and that happened uh, very early on in the episode because Chuck mm-hmm. read that book to Jimmy. They were tearing down the tape like right after the confrontation. Mm-hmm. So it was very early in the first episode. So this is a theory in progress by Dave. Yeah, I want to see how this plays yes. out because so far there is a pattern developing. Mm. See, this mm. is how this is how they get everybody. This is why they can get away with all the weird. Um, the weird Easter eggs that they can, because some of them are so obscure and and some of them are so easy to point out that it gets people analyzing everything in between. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And they totally plan it that way. All right. So from AMC, the preview description for the episode reads, Jimmy calls in a favor from Mike. New complications disrupt the Salamanca's business and Chuck and Jimmy struggle. To compromise. I think that hits on three proposed theories we've discussed. So why don't you expound on that? Because we lost the audio for the last time we recorded this preview with the prior. So why don't you fill everybody who's listening in? I believe it was Brian who says that Chuck and Jimmy are going to try and reach a compromise. Mm-hmm. And that's what it says. They're struggling to compromise. So right. for the record, we read, we found that after afterwards. We yeah. Yeah, this is all I'm saying happened before before we actually recorded. Um, my theory was that Hank will get involved with like the DEA, which would be a complication in the Salamanca drug trade. And Jeff, what was the third thing? Jeff. Oh, Mike calls in a, Jimmy calls in a favor from Mike. And wasn't it Jeff that said Mike gets involved with Chuck and helps? Or was it a listener? That Mike's gonna take down. Uh, Chuck. That was that was not me. Okay, that was a listener. I'm remember my. Uh, I'm trying to remember my uh, my mic points I had. Because we yeah, went the other way. Thinks when that we Chuck will previous. get involved, or J- Mike will get involved with Chuck's fall, as if he hasn't fallen enough. But yeah. Okay, all solid. So, yeah, and they all three trying to fit the description. Can okay. it's like a horoscope. We can make it fit the description. Yeah, it's just so vague, <laughs> right. like anything, like like they pass each other on the street and like do like like the little salute or head nod. It's like, oh, right. there it is. <laughs> it's like Salamaka's delivery guy, driver missed like a red light. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden there's a complication in the yeah. chain. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you did have a great theory, though, about um, about us finally seeing Hank, DEA Hank. 
Way to pick it up and run with Did it, I? Jeff. <laughs> no, that was me, Brian. Did I? Uh, my, I remember my. I just listened to my previous recording before that, <laughs> and the only thing I said about Hank was, "What's a Hank?" Because <laughs> I had not seen the episode. That was me that said that about Hank. Jeff and I were talking yeah. about it when you came back from a break in the previous recording. Mm-hmm. That, and I think my theory was that. Hank may get involved as like a border agent or something, like something not quite the position he has in Breaking Bad. And then he has, you know, four years to get promoted. Right. So let's talk about that. Right. Okay. So this takes place way before Breaking Bad. So right. I think the joke was that he was going to be a lowercase DEA as right. opposed to the capital <laughs> DEA. Yes. yes. Exactly. Right. That was it. He, he would also theoretically probably be skinnier and he might have hair. That would be awesome. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see it uh, uh, a B storyline, like Hank is introduced, and then a B storyline of Hank getting into his uh, bottling beer at home hobby. <laughs> <laughs> because in Breaking Bad, there were several scenes, and like when everything came to a head, he he was like you know relieving stress by uh, bottling his own beer, and then he crushed a beer bottle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we'll see Steve. Gomez, right? Yeah. Hank's partner. Hank's partner. Because Jimmy has, if we've discussed this before, we like the fact that there's a previously established relationship upon sight between Jimmy and Hank where they just start digging at each other right away. Yeah. You know, and that's that's right. Saul's introduction episode. That's like the first scene after he deals with Badger, goes in the hallway. Mm-hmm. There they are, because he's like, DEA for a simple street bus. What the hell's going on? And then they start ribbing each other. So yeah, hopefully this whole... So there has to be something established previously for them to have a relationship to be able to do that. Right. And of all the characters people want, like I hear all the time, people are like, oh, we want to see Jesse Pinkman, who, uh, which would be amazing. Like, all right, like like Bob Odenkirk, Jonathan Banks, and a lot of the characters that return were already like maturing middle-aged adults when they started filming Breaking Bad. So even though they've noticeably aged, they're... It, it's still reasonable that they would look relatively like that six years prior, but Jesse sure. Pinkman would have to be way younger. And now Aaron Paul is like 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He would have to be probably in high school or something. They'd have to do one of those weird things where they film somebody of similar build from like over the back. So you can't see his face. <laughs> and then Aaron Paul like dubs his voice in like, like they do with the no, crow. They, they just spend that sweet, uh, Tron legacy money that they have, and they can just impose his face, a younger face over it, like they did with Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And Tron? Or... Yes. I think we just talked about that. Rogue One? Uh, yeah, Rogue One. What's his name? It's like 10 minutes of screen time. He's been dead since the 90s. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Emperor. Yeah, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin has been dead for quite go. a few years, and he played a pretty important part in Rogue One. Yeah, they got a, they got a similar looking guy to act it out, and I think fake the voice and then they CGI his face over the face shots. All right. So yeah. to have Jesse Pinkman, they would have to digitally put his, his face, his face on like a teenager's, a younger, body. a younger version of his face. Okay. Right. Like they did in rogue one, which Michael McKean was going to see when he did his interview with us, who plays Chuck McGill on better call Saul who we do a podcast about six degrees of it's all good, man. <laughs> what up? That, yes. That is the greatest conspiracy theory. <laughs> Hilarious. 
So, uh, those of you out there, what are your theories? What do you think is going to go on with this episode? I'm pretty excited to see it. I really like the pace this year. It's still that slower driving pace, but, um, but I like it. It seems like there's a lot more confidence and a lot more purpose in this. And I've talked about it a bunch. So I'm super excited about 304. And Jeff, it's, yeah. it's interesting to Dave and I who have seen Breaking Bad and you're still kind of trying to catch up with Breaking Bad. But but um, what what do you think thus far of Better Call Saul? Because you, you kind of came in blue. So your your experience is just Better Call yeah, Saul. It, so as somebody who's kind of um, getting in at the... Um, getting in at the prequel, what what do you think overall the series? Like, what are your thoughts? Is this something that like is kind of enthralling to you or, or how do you feel? Yeah, I about think it's, it? I mean, it's at least engaging, you know, mm-hmm. and you can see the character developments mm-hmm. and knowing that it's part of a larger universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually it's nice to hear you guys talk about those little Easter eggs that are thrown in or the, the characters that come up, mm-hmm. but by itself as a story, uh, the story of Jimmy's fall, to Saul is yeah I mean it's keeping me engaged it's keeping me active uh listening to the whole thing and one thing we didn't bring up that we were talking about was uh the Jimmy storyline mm-hmm. what's gonna happen with that in preview uh so I'm gonna go ahead and feed that in since we talked about it last time do it and it got deleted uh my prediction for that was we're gonna have a two episode arc of the actual law scene, and it's going to be full of 1980s L.A. law type legal acrobats or acrobatics. So that way, uh, Jimmy is not going to get off completely scot-free because it's there's a lot of evidence, obviously, uh-huh. there. And but he between he and Kim are going to find some type of legal loophole mm-hmm. that's going to cause it to be downplayed from what it is uh, instead of the felonies and all of the misdemeanors it's going to be put down. So that way, one, Jimmy does not get disbarred right away. Uh-huh. And two, seeing as that is kind of uh, Chuck's ultimate goal is to have Jimmy disbarred, at least for a period of time, mm-hmm. it will not satisfy Chuck or Chuck's aggression toward his brother. And it's just going to lead into more legal hijinks in season four. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe later this season. We or maybe know, later this season, yeah. We didn't know before that the storylines seem to be more streamlined, mm-hmm. and they're not kind of bouncing back and forth like they did as much the first two seasons. A little bit more like focused. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that has maybe Jeff is right on that. Maybe we'll be like a simple two episode arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said we'll get more Gus screen time, but I even question that. Maybe they'll wait and get to that later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who knows? Also, Gus is kind of like to me, not knowing the background. Gus is more of a mysterious character that showed up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, he could always play that ghost type character in the background, who's secretly controlling the Mike storyline, whether Mike knows it or not. Gotcha. Right. So there's plenty of opportunity for him to just mysteriously appear, saying, "Hey, stay the fuck out of my business," or right. "Do you want to be part of my business?" Because they have to get to the point where, spoiler alert. Mike is actually Gus's henchman or right-hand man in Breaking Bad. Right. As you've said, and ruined the entire series for me. (laughs) That's right, because that's the point of the series. It's not about Walter White becoming Heisenberg. Which, when did Walter White accept that he was Heisenberg? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm sure sure we'll get all sorts of tweets about it. Yeah, I'm looking for a parallel with that, is like when Walter White finally identifies as Heisenberg is Mm -hmm. when Jimmy, you know, say it's season three. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So then Jimmy will identify as Saul in a corresponding season. That makes maybe sense. Maybe even down to the episode. Gotcha. Well, before we sign off, one thing I did want to point out, for those of us that have seen Breaking Bad and are watching Better Call Saul, we're noticing Easter eggs in Better Call Saul from uh-huh. Breaking Bad, right? And it's kind of cool for us. Yeah. Uh, folks that are new to the series, like Jeff, if he goes back and watches Breaking Bad, yeah. it's the reverse. They're like, oh, that was in Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's how it's supposed to be, right? It's a prequel, so that... that sh- kind of stuff is supposed to show up right right and kind of be set we'll, we'll even get to experience that if we go rewatch breaking bad mm-hmm. but we're not cold to it so that'll be it's yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to experience it yep absolutely well either way uh super excited for episode 304 i want to thank everybody for participating and please make sure that you do so after you guys watch uh, episode 304 on monday night let us know what you think our episodes will be up as the credits roll Please make mm-hmm. sure to download the TV Showtime app and participate in the Better Call Saul community there. It's uh, it's it's really awesome. It it is, and I'm not just saying that because well, first off, they're not paying us, so <laughs> you know it's all about the exposure. But like, Disclaimer. it is really an ingenious app, and uh, I've kind of started uh, dealing with other communities on it. Like, I'm a big fan of BoJack Horseman mm-hmm. and Rick and Morty. It's it's a really well well done app, and uh, we're happy to be a part of it. And I hope you guys download it. So again. Make sure to participate. Uh, let us know what you think. Make sure to share on iTunes. Make sure to review us on iTunes. And make sure that you check us out just as the credits roll on Better Call Saul. Because if we did it any faster, we would be live. Jeff, Ray Seahorn is back on the Someone Important Hotline. Ray, welcome back. Hi, thanks for Hi, Ray. Welcome, welcome back, Ray. <laughs> yeah, we're, Thank we're, you so much. We're, we're so excited to have you. Uh, one thing I have to tell you, because we actually kind of talk about you all the time, Ray. Um, two year, I love two, it. Two years ago when we first spoke, uh, you were actually the first uh, like celebrity uh, type notable person that we ever talked to. And that's given us the opportunity to talk to so many great celebrities and so many great people. And we, we, Dave and I are asked all the time, like, well, how'd you get, uh, Mike Rowe on your podcast? And it's like, well, it all, it all goes back to Ray Seahorn. So thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. And, and we're so glad that you're back. That's the nicest thing to hear. Thank you so much. I didn't think I had any discovered some i am so happy that it's yours <laughs> um so uh better call saw season three uh we, we actually just got off the phone with bob odenkirk uh, uh and he says he hasn't seen, he? Uh, he, he's a great guy uh he's super super fun guest super fun guest uh we've seen the first two episodes but he said he hasn't uh have you managed to uh, see the first uh, couple well, episodes i have but have been told that I can't talk about actual plot points or any right. of the guest cast. <laughs> right. Yep. We, we got the same rules. So I just wanted to figure out where we're at. <laughs> but, um, I wanted to say excellent work. It seems like, uh, this season, uh, that, uh, same thing I told Bob, it seems like this season, like better call Saul is, is ready to stand on its own two feet. You guys have your own distinct tone, uh, your own distinct feel. And a lot of that I would credit to you. Your performance thus far has been absolutely wonderful. 
Oh, thank you. I, 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 I wouldn't credit it to me, but I'm really glad that I didn't sink the ship that they built. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, there it's, uh, it's, inc- you know what? It's, it's 100% takes a village. Um, I, I work very hard on the Kim character because I love the character and also because of the uh, raw material that's put in front of me. You can't, you can't not want to stay up all night trying to think of all the reasons why she doesn't speak when you have a character who mm. is so mysteriously and awesomely um, withholding in so many situations. Mm. And silent as a position of power and um, gesturally even quite still, which I, which I chose to do based on her dialogue. Um, I think she would just kill it in poker. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you uh, uh, responding so sweetly to uh, to my performing of her. But it takes the writing, and then it also takes the director, and then it takes a network and a studio, uh, and an editor, I should have put in there, too, um, to allow that character to stay on there. You know what I mean? Like, you could mm-hmm. have actually altered the pace mm-hmm. and taken all the silences out. Um and because you have to, you have to really trust your showrunners, your cast, but also your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about AMC and Sony to to leave this roller coaster exactly as it is, and uh, and that's how you get a character like him. So I'm I'm grateful to everyone that works on this show. That's very interesting. Yeah, I never, uh, oh, sorry. So I never thought about how the editor can affect your performance if you have like a strong, silent kind of performance. Well, I've never. You know, because I've actually edited audiobooks, so I do understand the concept of using spacing to affect tone and uh, and the vibe. Oh, totally. Of something. If I make, yeah. if I do as I often do on this show, make Kim's moments uh, often in the subtext, in the moments between lines, and a, a relationship like Jimmy and Kim's, when you've known somebody for ten years, almost nothing can be said just at face value. Mm. It's always about the what does that mean. Um, and uh, to have a, you know, whatever. If there's a scene where um, there's a million things going on and then Bob chooses to say his line to me looking away and she senses that he might be lying, whatever whatever it might be, you have to allow that moment to have some air. Right. And many times for the sake of time, an editor might cut just to preserve dialogue. Yeah. And instead we have incredibly nuanced directors and uh, and um, and editors that that preserve all of that. And MVP that watch like a hawk during rehearsal when you do a scene over and over and they see like, okay, there's a beat here that's actually off the line. It's not an on the line beat, which for anybody listening that doesn't know, that just means um, a change that happens on a word while speaking versus a change that happens between lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, they watch that stuff and they make sure they capture it. And then you've got to make sure somebody preserves it instead of cuts it. Wow. You know, and uh, the way you portray uh, Kim Wexler too, as as I was watching it, it's 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 a weird combination of how how much more of this can she take, and also this woman is just absolutely unshakable. <laughs> so, so, like, does that make sense to anybody, or does that only make sense to me? That you know, you know what I mean? It's because like like you get the hints of uh, some of the frustrations that she's going through, but at the same time, it's like it it never phases her. So like. You know, that that's what I got. Yeah, out of your I mean, how great right. is it that you see it's so Kim, but I also think it's not at all uh, difficult for uh, a viewer to understand the moment of taking in all of that and the frustrations and I, and, and 
the Mesa Verde case, this kind of these ill-gotten gains that were not just to protect Jimmy. She, she kept them for herself too. She could have recused herself from the case and never outed him, but she kept it. She wants it. And instead of having the screaming, crying scene, she's just going to spend seven hours picking a semicolon over a comma. Like the scenes that I just loved, I was like, absolutely, that's what she would do. And we all know that moment, you know, when you have to clean out your closet because your entire life has spun out of control, but the shoes are going to look right. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, and and it's also this just an incredible, um, this albatross on her of this case was lost and won on a technicality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, and she's suddenly, you know, just consumed, consumed with making sure that that can't happen, that there will be no mistakes. Um, and I think control it. And you're right that you're seeing that duality in her because it's sort of, I didn't think of it till you said that. Now I need to make some notes so I can be a better actor next day. Something. But um, <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, no is it's it's both her her superhero cape and her um Achilles heel. It's it's her Kristen mm-hmm. Anderson cape is being, <laughs> is being utterly in control. Um and uh and she's struggling with it, struggling with uh, and I feel like the whole season was about challenges and consequences um mm-hmm. rising to the top, and they both are external and internal for all the individual characters, and then also wherever they meet each other. Absolutely. See, look at there. See, I often get criticism for not being insightful enough. And Ray Seahorn said that I was somewhat insightful. So uh, take that, listeners. <laughs> right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, Ray, I know you're a very busy woman and you have a heart out. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you found a few moments that you could chat with us again. It's it's uh, It's been absolutely awesome. And I hope we don't have to wait another two years to talk to you again down the road. I agree. Let's not. Yeah, if there's any other projects coming up you'd like to promote, we do have another show that we're glad to promote you on. Absolutely. Oh, nice. Thank you. I will let you know. I'm in the pre-production stages for two uh, features and uh, and working on a short that I wrote and co-directed. So I will let you know when they get a little further down the ramp. Fantastic. Absolutely. Always an open invitation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ray Seahorn, thank you so much. Thank you, Ray. Thanks, thank Ray. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. you. Gotta wait for the three beeps. Wait for the beeps or say hi to Ray. There's the the three beeps. You better go, Saul.